In the parlour bar of the second-class refreshment room, Detective Inspector Jim Stringer was filling in his detective diary. Jim had taken his diary into the parlour bar at six o'clock with the intention of having a pint of brown ale. It was now gone half-past and he'd had two. There was nobody else but Jim in the parlour bar, which was widely ignored in favour of the adjacent room lately billed as a snack bar. There weren't even any people in the framed photos around the walls, which showed the station as it had been before the Northeastern Railway became the London and Northeastern Railway, and before the footbridge had been put in. There were studies of the newspaper stall and bookshop with the shutters down. On the main up and down platforms were a couple of luggage barrows, but no human beings. When it came to the diary, Jim's practice was to make a quick note when what was called an occurrence occurred, then flesh it out later. The previous month, November, had been quiet, and Jim suspected this might be the new trend. While men in the wider world were being laid off from work, the London and Northeastern Railway was boosting what it called police manpower the accountants having twigged that the more police you had, the more money you saved. Why? Because policemen protected not only assets, but also revenue. The police office on the main up platform accommodated a dozen more constables than this time last year. Some came from down south, and Jim had a job to remember their names. They soaked up a lot of the investigating Jim used to do, and now... As a relatively senior member of a very bureaucratic organisation, he found much of his time given over to paperwork. The number of crimes was certainly falling, but whether on account of manpower, Jim couldn't say. The station was better lit, and modern trains often had open seating, whereas the old-fashioned bad lads had favoured the secrecy of compartments. Jim, too, preferred compartments. He also favoured gaslight over electricity and slow stopping trains to streamlined expresses. And maybe this was to be expected of any railway copper of twenty years' service and a somewhat romantic bent. He'd come to the most recent occurrence. Twice in the past week, a fellow called Barraclough had been found to be occupying a first-class seat on a Leeds train while in possession of a third-class ticket. This was not an offence unless Barraclough had fraudulent intent, unless he knew what he was doing, in other words, and it seemed to Jim that Barraclough must have known, since, until recently, he had been working for the LNER and in the passenger department of the York District at that Yet he was a highly respectable-seeming gent who'd apologised both times for his mistake and shifted smartly into third class when the error was pointed out to him. The second time his name and address had been taken, and the question for Jim was whether Barraclough should receive a summons to the magistrate's court in order, very likely, to be fined forty shillings under the Regulation of Railways Act 1889. Jim put a question mark next to Barraclough's name. 
The next question was whether he should have another pint of brown, or maybe a half. The one thing in the parlour bar that was moving, apart from Jim, was the minute hand of the clock. And it now showed five minutes to seven, or, as the London and North Eastern Railway called it, 6.55. At seven, Jim was due to meet Lydia at the footbridge, so they could walk together to a charitable function at the Railway Institute. An ill-conceived event, it seemed to Jim, kicking off at seven and combining card-playing and dancing. Jim thumbed back through the pages of the detective diary. The year hadn't been completely quiet, and some of the pages back in early October were dense with occurrences. Jim read the words, Double Murder, underlined. Amid the detailing of those heavy events, 